Welcome to Perfecting the Formula. My name is Mahesh. And this is Juan. And welcome to this bonus episode for a post-F1 testing analysis. We had fun two weeks of testing. That was pretty fun. I wish it was a little more wet, but... Yeah, I don't know. Where did the wet weather testing go? Uh, well, it's part of the part of the game, I guess, FIA changing things up on us. But uh, Yeah, they changed a lot of things. Uh, there wasn't much video recording throughout the second week. Yeah, uh, definitely missed out on some uh, interesting things. But um, yeah, so let's first uh, dive right in and check out which teams really stood out. Uh, Juan, anyone in, in mind for you? Uh, this week, actually, McLaren stood out. They were doing a lot better. Yeah, and uh, not that many reliability issues, um, which was interesting. Uh, they had, yeah, they were pretty reliable. They didn't have any big issues. Everybody at any time this week did break down, but that's something else. Or yeah. later we were going to hit on. But overall, they did pretty well. Um, Signs and... Um, Lando. Lando Norris are actually settling quite well with both rookies, even though they had a... Uh, Wonderful showing by... Well, Sainz isn't a rookie. Well, uh, Sainz... He's a rookie just, McLaren driver. He's a... He's... Okay, new to the team. Yeah, new to the team. Two new to the team drivers. But, uh, yeah, no, Lando Norris really impressed, setting fastest laps uh, in a few... On a couple of the days and really pushing the car to its limits. Uh, really impressive from the young driver. Yeah, so... Those are my standout team slash drivers. Yeah, so... Um, I guess, for me... The team that stood out in not the greatest way was uh, Williams, in that they stood out in the fact that, what the hell? Um, I think that all the teams kind of otherwise... I think McLaren has shown that they had good pace, and that's why. And everyone else come in, kind of came in as inspected, and the midfields being the midfield. But Williams is way off the pace. Just, I mean, last year they were, there was at least Williams and Sauber at the bottom that they would tangle up with except for charles but like i mean there was some bottom drivers there was some chance to say you have a similar pace but williams just stood out and how far off the pace they are yeah we'll see how the time progress or not the time the season progresses but i think they're going to be struggling for the most part of the season obviously um we'll see what the rest of the development and the actual hopefully ordering the parts in the right time or parts being set shipped the right time would work hopefully they don't pull this at any race showing up halfway through a different um practice session oh my god i just don't understand how they let that happen i think that something needs to happen i think that they just need to reset and restart i think we had talked about this last week when sam was here um as a guest and we talked about you know maybe at some point you just need to fire your entire engineering department because clearly something isn't working, and it isn't the driver's end. Because, I mean, don't they? They have a new driver that's actually pretty good, and um, and Cubitz is a good driver. I mean, when he tested for, when he was in testing, he was setting really good. Uh, not this testing, but in prior years' testing, he was pretty good. So I mean, I think this is one hundred percent on the engineering department. I think that Williams just needs to find a way to reset and restart. But yeah, uh, drivers for me that stood out, I think there were a couple um, ones. The one that really stood out to me, though, the one that I don't think anyone was expecting to stand out was Hulkenberg. Um, 
I think he said one a fourth overall fastest. Like he said a very good time. Um, Oh, Juan's our data guru, so we'll, we'll um, give Juan a chance to catch up. No, I'm trying to figure out which tab of the 50. I, <laughs> yeah. I have some irrelevant tabs open right now. <laughs> <laughs> the tabs, the death of the tabs. But, um, yeah, I mean, Hulkenberg's had a really good time. He's outpacing Ricardo. I don't think that's going to happen during the season for two reasons. One, uh, Ricardo's still getting used to a whole new team, a whole new setup. Uh, a whole new steering wheel, honestly, if we're really digging into it. So I think that... Yeah, I was watching a um, video of him talking about, you know, first week of testing with Renault, you know, the seat's a little off, the steering wheel's a little off, but by the end of the week, he's used to it, and that's when they're trying to make changes, but... Yeah, and um, (laughs) I think what was really funny is when you see um, Kimi, they have this video up on the Formula One channel, of Kimi Raikkonen, who's also in a new car for a new team. And they have it from his perspective of him driving, so you get a, a chance to see him on the steering wheel. And all you see is him. I think it looks like he made a mistake because he puts his car into a fuel setting, and it looks like the fuel setting is fuel-saving fuel setting, and he's, like, trying to pull the paddle to change gear, and he's realizing, like, it's holding at a certain gear. And then he's like, oh, I'm in the wrong setting, and then switches it to race. <laughs> and then pulls into the pits. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if he actually screwed up. I don't know if that was just to put on a show for the fans. But, you know, we love we love our conspiracy theories here. Uh, actually, that reminds me of a video I saw earlier today, which is not F1 related. But it was a NASCAR. And somebody radioed in at last minute. This guy drifted into the pit lanes. It was hilarious. No, we call that the Lewis, the reverse Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't think Hulkenberg, I don't think Hulkenberg's going to outpace Ricardo in the season. I think once also Ricardo has tremendous race pace, um, and I think that he's always shown that he has tremendous race pace. And he might not be the greatest at qualifying, but when he has another car as his target, he like in Star Wars, he stays on target um, and just zooms past. And I think that we'll see that Ricardo will be outpacing Hulkenberg. But the fact of the matter is, Hulkenberg already has this high benchmark pace. And so there's a very good chance that you might have two dominant Renault drivers. They're currently still classified as top of the midfield. How do you feel about that, Juan? Renault still being classified as midfield? I think they're kind of in a weird stage now. That they're surpassing the midfield, but slowly creeping up on um, the top three and the top three are a little more questionable now it's i think it's the a, top two i'm gonna be honest i don't think red bull's a top three team anymore yeah so when it comes so red bull had some issues towards the end of their uh testing but that's yeah interesting but, but that was not because of their race pedigree it's just because the lack of materials and supplies they needed for an actual yeah, and you've also started getting close to, if I remember my math correctly, Mercedes ran close to 18 Grand Prix lengths um, in terms of the length of testing they did. So Mercedes yeah, they did, did over almost 1,000 laps. They almost did 1,200. Yeah, they almost did 1,200. And I think Red Bull did almost 1,000. No, the rest of the teams were under 1,000. So it was Mercedes, then Ferrari, Red Bull. They did 900 and something. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost a thousand, Juan. I'm a finance major. We round. It's why we have recessions. Uh, engineering. Yeah, yeah. You see, this is the issue. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, Red Bull did a lot of testing, and so that's probably part of it. Um, Honda engine held up pretty well, though. I'm going to be honest. was not expecting that. I don't know. I think Red Bull and Renault are more comparable than people are making them out to be. I think that what you're going to see is if, for example, the top three teams, if there is a top three, if all top three teams finish, then you're almost always going to see Red Bull as uh, seven and eight. Um, yeah, you have any other teams that stood out to you, Juan? Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, so actually, I was surprised on how, well, obviously they had a name change, but they still kept the color. Um, Racing Point. Racing Point, Daddy Stroll Racing, whatever you want to call it. We are calling it Daddy Stroll Racing for the rest of this season. Uh, <laughs> they usually do pretty well or decent in testing, and I think this time they did pretty mediocre. Well, um, Will Buxton was talking about this, my man, Will Buxton. Um, and they really didn't modify the car at all except for regulation. So they literally just took the original shape of what the front wing was and reduced number of elements to the point where they were passing regulation. Which I know in previous years we've seen them pull this off. Or like, but they've always done some level of development on the car. This year it was zero level of development on the car. But now with the new sponsor, with this new inflow of cash, and they're saying, as always, they're going to have a new package set for Australia. Don't don't discount them too quickly. I'm not going to discount them too quickly. I know they had an issue, what, August? And most teams, I know like Mercedes was talking about, they already started developing their 19 car at the end of 17. Um, so I understand they maybe had a... Loss of files, cue SpongeBob meme, everybody running around with <laughs> <laughs> the files are burning. The files are burning. Yeah. So who knows how much of the data was actually transferred over? I'm assuming they kept most of um, the background people, like you know, the engineers, relatively the same. But I don't know with them becoming a more what Canadian relative team because the Stroll family and their Can- Canadian influence. Um, actually, I wonder if they're going to play the Canada flag if they ever re- get a podium. That's actually really interesting. What is Racing Point's official nation? I don't, have they declared one yet? I should look that up. <laughs> yeah, these are the side details that we probably should have looked up before we started this episode, but at the same time, uh, we had no... If we, if we pulled up every piece of information we thought we were going to discuss at this podcast, the internet would break. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean... I never discount, I was going to say I never discount Force India, but that's now racing point. I would never discount them. They've always been a top tier uh, midfield team. Just listen to that series of words that we now say in Formula 1, top tier midfield team. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to discount them until I see their package at Australia. Yeah, definitely. Things could happen between now and then, even though we have, what, 12 days still racing, but they probably have something in manufacturing that we haven't seen so far. Yeah. But um, actually, quick jump back to Red Bull, actually. I forgot that we shouldn't... We for, Red Bull never set a fastest lap, like a fast lap, because what happened is because of Pierre Gasly whacking the back of his car into the wall, which we'll get more into later, they had a gearbox issue when Verstappen went out, so he only got in 20 laps. And never got a chance to go fastest. Like, yeah. never got a chance to put the pedal to the metal. So, um, I have some of the data right here. Pierre Gasly was the one that set the fastest lap, but that was before his crash at uh, 117. Yeah. Um, 091. 
Yeah, and that was day. That was not the last day of testing. That was um, day three of week two. Yeah, so the he, Red Bulls got hidden pace, y'all. Is all I'm saying. Red Bulls got some hidden pace there. But I don't know. I think Renault's going to give them a run for their money. I think Renault should give them a run for their money after how much crap they talked about Renault. <laughs> They're like, y'all suck. And then Renault was like, but, you know, use the oil we told you to use and this won't be a problem. That's always one of the biggest issues I know as a, what's it called, working back at retail, back in AutoZone. You know, you have a customer come in. It's like, I need 520 for my car. I'm like, your car requires 020. He's like, no, this is more reliable. I'm like, your clearances are tinier. You need this. You need this one. He's like, no, it's more expensive. 520 works. I'm like, your car's not going to last that long. You fool. But yeah. <laughs> so now that we've talked about the teams that stood out, either in a good way or a bad way, I think it's time to talk about the two teams that everyone cares about, Juan. Just um, Mercedes Williams and <laughs> <laughs> yes Williams obviously we're all Williams fans doesn't everyone know that's why all the jerseys are white yeah we're all Williams fans no we have to talk about them we have to I think it's required by Formula One law <laughs> Mercedes and Ferrari how's it looking so again Ferrari looks good just like they did last year and you know why Ferrari always looks good in testing Testing doesn't require race strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I, but even if you look at the testing regiment, Formula, I mean, for um, Mercedes was about 200 laps over Ferrari. So they were. They at, did a lot of race distance. I don't understand. I don't know why, but they did a lot of just so race, like maybe long they're, distance. Maybe they're throwing on sensors and who knows what and tra- making sure the reliability is on point. did they do a whole new aero kit for the second week? Yeah, so I was looking at that. So the, apparently the week one car was already in the works and started to manufacture in November. Or almost set up on November. Meanwhile, Williams didn't even have a design by November. <laughs> yeah, probably. It was still probably in... They're probably budget cuts, so maybe they had Legos versions, but <laughs> even Legos are expensive, so who knows? Yeah, but yeah, back to what you were saying about Mercedes. Um, Mercedes probably just did uh, engine data on the first week. They still threw on all the wonderful aero rigs and see which is more supreme with their front wing with it being uh, the inlets being folded in or out. Then have that weird nose and all sorts of different things. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. But they definitely were going for a lot of long distance. We didn't even see them do pacing until the last two days or last day. Last two days, yeah. Yeah, last two days, and that's when they started bringing out the pace. That's always interesting. Uh, But how many tenths was it that separated Hamilton and Vettel? Three? Or thousands, sorry. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah, three Three thousands. thousands. So it could either be Mercedes selling... Um, Lewis Hammond to slow down, but uh, that's their three thousandths be on the same tire. But somebody was talking about I forgot which different news group, most likely Autosports, honestly. Uh, based on the compound of tires, when um Sebastian set a fast lap on the C three tire or the mid level tire, and you did the calculations based on the the differential between C3 to C5, Yeah, he should have been at least two-tenths faster, or three-tenths faster. 
Yeah, he might have been holding back. Uh, for those of you who don't understand what we're talking about with C3 and C5, so uh, Pirelli uh, thought that the tire compounds were too complicated last year. You had your hypersoft. All seven colors. All, all the colors. We had the rainbow. Hypersoft, super soft, soft, medium, hard. And then they were thinking about adding a very hard, and everyone was like, ah, and this is canceled. We're not doing this. So what they now did is that the softer compound's always going to be red, and then the um, middle compound's going to be yellow, and then the hard compound's going to be white. And But at each track, they'll have a different level of softness. So the levels of softness range from C1 to C5. Uh, C5 being the softest. Yes. And C1 being the hardest. So they'll tell you before the race, like, at this track, we're going to run C3, C4, C5. So, for example, at Monaco, you're going to have C3 to C5. But um, they'll still be called uh, super soft, soft, medium. No, uh, at the race day, all you're going to hear from commentators, hard, medium, soft. That's all you're going to hear. Oh, hard, medium, soft. Okay. That's good to hear. Back to the basics. Back to the basics. Um, You know, back to the basics would be going back to Bridgestone or Michelin, but we're not talking about that today. So, yeah, so that's what we kind of mean. Bridgestone 2005. Oh, my God, stop. (laughs) Um, For those of you that are interested, look up the USA Grand Prix 2005. Interesting times. So, um, but yeah, so that's what we were talking about with the tires. So Vettel, if you account for that tire differential, should have been two tenths faster, which is really interesting. I mean, all of the analysts, despite how close the difference was on, on track times, have been saying, you know, Ferrari looks to be the dominant car. Yeah, but you have to think about it. It's not just the car itself. It's all about the driver. And you have to think before, I know the rent you're going to get into, but you have to think, um, not think, well, you have to know that there's... Temperatures are much different when testing versus Barcelona racing. Yeah, yeah. There's a big temperature difference. Also, they're not having 10 drivers. They're having all 20 drivers if Williams shows up. <laughs> shows up to Baku, Williams is like, yeah, we can't bother. Uh, <laughs> have a fun race. No, I mean, that's a valid point. Uh, the But speaking of drivers, though, I think that controversial opinion I think what's going to determine the Constructors' Championship this year is not Vettel or Hamilton. It's going to be Leclerc and Botas. Oh, definitely. And Botas, one of the interviews said, it's like, I'm done being Mr. Nice Guy, pretty much. I he mean, said, this is my thing, though. Mercedes needs to like acknowledge the fact that if you don't have a number one or number two driver, the person who's in front should be allowed to lead. You can't just let make him give way for Hamilton because of a non-existent blister on a tire. <laughs> so... He has talked about, you know, if the situation comes again where they tell him to swap, even though there's no issue, he's not going to swap, according to him. You know, pretty much a Nico and Hamilton all over again. Yeah, except uh, Botas can't compete with Hamilton, so that's not a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Botas. I mean, I'm just calling it like I see it. I think Leclerc is going to wipe Botas clean. Like, I think Leclerc... I, if you account for the new car time differential that Ricardo is facing at Renault, uh, and you think that how that's affecting Leclerc, especially as only a second-year driver, mm-hmm. think of how fast he's actually going to end up going on race day. Uh, definitely, he's going to be pretty fast. Yeah, Bottas was very disappointed. Uh, disappoint. He was a big disappointment towards the end. Oh, th- towards the end of the year after his uh, wingman comment, you'll see him at P two. P3, P4, P5, really? (laughs) Dropping to P6, and then he's done. Yeah, so we'll 
we'll see. Hopefully, Botas um, and his thicker neck and his beard going on um, gets him moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. We've hit all the teams, basically. We've hit uh, the drivers for the most part. Let's talk about a few standout events during testing that uh, are causes for concern, I would say. I wouldn't say causes for concern. Well, definitely causes for concern on some teams more than others. But I thought it was interesting. All five teams, 10 teams had one accident this week and major, semi-major accident that at least prevented them from doing a run within that same period of time or same test time yeah Yeah. so we're two teams right red bull and well a lot of teams but like i remember the two teams that had big crashes yeah red bull being one of the biggest crashes with pierre gasly ruining the rear end of the car is that driver error are we attributing driver error to that or did something happen on the rear wing i think that was driver error with him just not Gonna get in too happy on the on the corner. Yeah, maybe getting a little too happy. But I mean, that was a pretty dramatic spin out. I don't know. I typically the driver will feel it slip a little and can cor- correct. I mean, I've always said Pierre Gasly's not like a top tier driver, but he's not crap. I feel like actually, the- if you look at the corner, I think that was the same corner that uh, Brendan, uh, not Brendan Hartley, um, Kvyat had a big accident before. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, and as always with Barcelona, you never know what the wind's doing. You <laughs> never know how that's playing a factor. So, yeah, that was obviously the big one. And I actually think that caused damage into the next day because that... Yeah, so they started running old parts. Yeah. Yeah, and then so the gearbox failed on Verstappen. Yeah, so gearbox was an issue. Uh, arrow looked like a big issue. They just had a really bad day. Guys, it'll be okay, I guess. But until then, uh, yeah, that was just that was just rough. I think Pierre Gasly just screwed up. Yeah, but until the until the next uh, time we see them on track, which is Australia, we can't um, be sure how these drivers are going to react to their cars on a track. I mean, no one expected Botas to spin out at Australian um, and crash on Australia's uh, qualifying for no apparently good reason. So. I mean, uh, testing is always interesting because it tests the driver's skill as well and their durability and endurance, but at the same time, it's not a racing situation. And drivers are more aggressive in the race, but sometimes they're also more cautious because they don't want to destroy their cars in a race. So that was one of the big accidents to me that stood out. The other big accident, though, is Vettel. Just that huge suspension. Or I don't know if it was... It was a a rim failure. A rim failure, yeah. Yeah, rim failure, which I think it was some random object that... Yeah, that, those are fun. I had a blowout. Those are not fun. So think, rim think, failure, is that on Pirelli, or does each F1 team do their own rim? Each F1 team does their own rim. Oh, okay. Good to know. So uh, was it just for an object that caused a blowout? Uh, yeah, that's what it seems, or that's what I've been hearing. And I, I Well, since uh, Formula 1 didn't do their little wonderful live testing, I couldn't try to zoom in and all that fun stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a rough accident uh, to the point where the G-sensors were triggered. They had to send out the medical team, make sure that Vettel was okay, which he was. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was a pretty rough accident. Uh, I think, though, it shows the safety of these modern-day cars, if nothing else. Because he crashed at what? 200 miles per hour? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, went um, pretty much straight into the wall. Um, 
Oh, yeah, no, like, the gravel slowed him down for, like, a little bit, but... You know they actually found gravel isn't the best thing to slow down a car? Yeah, it's based on... Depends on how you rake or make the ridges. Yeah. But you have a high probability of flipping them on the gravel. Yeah, they, that's why they've actually found that asphalt's the best way to slow down a car. Yeah, but I don't like asphalt, because... Runoff areas. This is a side thing. We'll probably do an episode on track design one day, but... um. I prefer grass, that <laughs> way... That's... That's slippery, man. All right, anyway. Yeah, that's an, that's their problem for running off the track at that point. <laughs> Slip. Um, hey, listen, grass is what gave us Barcelona in 2016. Um, <laughs> oh, great times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was another big crash. Other significant events that you found throughout testing? Um, Fernando what? showing back up to the track. Actually. And everyone going AWOL. Yeah, uh, what was it? Fernando Alonso and Esteban Gutierrez. Yeah, okay. So can someone please explain to me the logic where Esteban Gutierrez is mentioned in the same sentence as Fernando Alonso? Uh, their wreck in 2013, I think. No, no, no. That <laughs> was more recent than that, 2016. 15, 16, whatever. Well, yeah, because for- when Haas was still a team. When Haas existed. Oh, yeah, Haas was a team. Yeah, Haas was a team. But yeah, no, like, I mean, other than Esteban nearly killing Fernando in a crash... And Fernando just walking away. Just Fernando just walking away casually, even though he had cracked ribs uh, or bruised ribs or something along those lines. Like, dude, why was Esteban part of that conversation? But yeah, Fernando came back to the track just to be like, Haha, I left you for a better racing series. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a good event of note that I thought needed to be sprinkled into that. Yeah, um, I know he did mention that he wouldn't mind. That's one thing, even before he showed up. I was thinking, you know, if McLaren does show much better pace, where a track they're more likely to get podium, mm-hmm. based on stats, they were, may or may not probably throw Fernando in there just because. Yeah. Fernando wants to do a glory run. Yeah. But other than that, in terms of reliability, what was really um, noticeable this testing is no team suffered perennial reliability issues, really. They all got at least a couple of days of good amounts of testing in. Unlike McLaren when they first switched to Honda, which was like first day, 10 laps, second day, 20 laps, third day, 15 laps. Um, But yeah, so after that, I think uh, I need to hand it over to our data guru, Juan, because he's got some interesting notes on the data. So overall, as we talked about... um on just based on fastest laps with the everybody that I'm going to mention is on the C5 tire or the softest tire. So we did talk about Sebastian Vettel being the fastest, followed by Lewis Hamilton, then Charles Char Leclerc, and then Bottas. So there's our wonderful top two teams with their drivers. Nico Hockenberg was um, five, and then Toro Rosso was there. Danny Caffey, it's going to be the torpedo, try and blow into another car, and then it's a race over. Like, I just, I don't, <laughs> just, I don't trust Danny Caffey as a driver. I used to like him a lot. He's just way too inconsistent for me to ever be behind him. Third time's a charm? <laughs> Eighth time's the charm at some point, but, like, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so you had Alex Albon, and then final by Danny Kvyat. Is Albon the man that does not have a super license? I think he should have put in the mileage by now to get it. Right, but he didn't at the beginning. Correct. It still boggles my mind that they're allowed to test if they don't have a super license. Yeah, so they need to put in some mileage, but they still need a race license. 
that's recognized by the FIA. So they need to have some experience prior to showing up. We just can't be, we can't buy off a team to give us more experience and not have enough FIA points. So we have to. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Makes sense. Continue with the data. So at least, and then Carlos signs was next. Uh, which number? Oh man, I need number. I need to put two, four, six, seven. No, eight. There we go. Eight. Carlos signs was eight. Followed by Haas. Yay. Uh, let's hope Haas actually does pretty well this time. Please. I don't know. They did not look particularly great during testing. Honestly, you know what will make Haas great? And we're probably going to do a bonus episode on this too at some point. Like an American, America. American <laughs> engine manufacturer. It took forward three years in Le Mans before they just decimated Ferrari and won one, two, three. Like... You put any American manufacturer into a racing sport and they put their full might behind it, everyone else is done. So the thing is, when it comes to F1, depending on how they set up their engine for 2021, we may or may not get new engines or may lose, not engines, but manufacturer or teams. Yeah. Bye-bye uh, Red Bull, question mark. These 2021 regulations are going to, uh, yeah, decide if Formula One can continue to be a sustainable racing series which is scary to think about but uh continue with who's after haas so we had carlos Sainz, roman grosjean landon norris so he sandwiched in by mclaren pierre gasly barely or our first red bull barely makes the cut again i mean they didn't do a lot of fast testing this is going to be interesting though because that is a big deficit to make up just by a fast lap but what was it? A one seventeen oh nine one. Yeah, oh nine one. How did I remember that? Oh my god. Okay. Um, one seventeen oh nine one. Yeah. I mean, and the fastest was a one sixteen two two one. Yes. Yeah. So, eight tenths. That's make upable. That, and yeah. To wrap that up is um, Danny Ricardo. Which most of these everybody got their fastest laps either on day seven or eight and then all right to round just up. just out of my personal curiosity danny ricks was on day seven or day eight yeah, um day eight hmm i don't hmm and nico hockenberg same thing day eight he's not a slower driver than nico though so like so the thing is they're probably that's probably different when you're trying to dodge 10 cars out there versus all 20. And, you know... I think also, I mean, yeah, and then we talked about this like eight times now, but yeah, the new car transition. New car transition. Daniel Ricciardo, once he gets his groove, you know he's going to be doing those dive bombs out of nowhere. The Honey passing, Badger. Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger does what it wants. What did he do in China last year? Pass eight cars oh in like God. four laps? Oh, my God. it was six. And, and one of those, the commentators were just like, and uh, there's a race. And like, oh, my God, he went for it. And I was just <laughs> like, yeah, he did. And Botas... Tried to close the door. I think there was one time when Martin Brunner was like, that wasn't even a pass overtaking opportunity. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's also because Martin Brunner was a terrible driver and shouldn't be commentating, but whatever. But, so if you look at, that was our top 12, but if you look at just per team, um, obviously Sebastian Vettel was the fastest in Ferrari, Lewis Hamilton being the fastest in Mercedes, and the teams that we did not get to, let's just go straight down to that. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen was the fastest in Alfa Romeo. Surprise. 
I think Sauber is actually going to be a top tier uh, midfield team by the end of the year. Yeah, because they did what tenth last. They went from tenth in twenty seventeen. Uh, how what did they finish in twenty eighteen? Crap. Um, seventh. Yeah, um, so they jumped up three positions. Yeah, seventh. Um, I think. Don't hold me to that. But that's a question mark. Wait, what did uh? They were also running old engine spec for one of those years. Yeah, that was 2017. They were running old engine specs. Yeah. And um. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think Sauber's on the up and up again. Oh, sorry, not Sauber. Alfa Romeo <laughs> is on the up and up again. We are going to keep doing this, and we're not going to talk about the fact that they switched their liveries back. We're not upset. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's an interesting team, and I'm guessing Racing Point and Williams are at the bottom. Um, no, I was looking for something else. No, okay, back to my data. And then, um, Racing Point was the uh, Lance Stroll was the fastest in that team. Who's the other driver for racing? Oh, Perez. Yes. Lance Stroll out. We're moving past that. I don't believe it. <laughs> and George Russell is the fastest in Williams. Yeah, I don't know how much of this was they were telling who was supposed to be fastest, but Kubica is way off the pace, which is worrying. I don't know if he's struggling. I don't know what's going on. I mean, he has said it's been eight years since that he knows any. It's been eight years since he's been behind the wheel of a Formula One car in like a full testing scenario, and that he knows only twenty percent of what he should. So, yeah, that's understandable because last time he was in, they had eight years ago, twenty eleven. Yeah, it was it was a while ago, but yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll pick up the pace. But yeah, that's just some interesting data. So hopefully, based on the um. So hopefully not a lot of the teams use the good data that they received, not besides being, oh, we suck. They actually use this data to make their team faster, and obviously they're going to develop throughout the season. Uh, Hopefully we don't see any teams that kind of cut themselves off short. I'm trying to get their bad. But, yeah, hopefully we get uh, a lot of teams actually doing pretty well by the end of the year. Yeah, I think we, uh, I think we're in for a good season. But we say that every season, so <laughs> hopefully we're in for a good title fight, maybe a three-way title fight. Hopefully uh, Renault is on the, is on track to make a good championship run next year, or maybe possibly this year they have some hidden pace. But all right, so I found the rest of the data I was looking for. So right. <laughs> Juan's like, my hidden data has appeared. So um, let's just, if we look at away from teams and actually break it down to engine supplier. Um, Mercedes, obviously, we talked about being at almost 1,200, but they were at 1,190. Ferrari was at 997. Oh, man. Brooklyn 99 just stuck in my head. 99? <laughs> okay. Oh, we're going to get sued over that, aren't we? <laughs> All credits, please go to CBS. I think CBS makes that show. Yeah, we'll go with CBS. We'll figure that out later. Yeah. Please don't sue us. Uh, we don't have enough money for you to sue us. Um, uh, we didn't even ha- own this equipment. <laughs> oh my God. Keep going. Uh, Renault with 961, Toro Rosa with 935, Alfa Romeo 922, McLaren at 874, Haas 871, Red Bull at 833. And then the big step now is to Racing Point at 625 and Williams at 567. Yeah, those two are a little concerning. Uh, Williams, we know why. Racing Point is just concerning. 
but uh, I don't think Racing Point cared to put in the laps and wear down um, parts because they knew that this wasn't the spec they were going to run anyway. Yeah, so, so it wasn't going to be a lot of worthwhile data to gather. So if you look at the team, or at least engine supplier, Ferrari, at because of their two other teams that kind of they supply, Ferrari engines totaled up to uh, 2,790, with Mercedes being at 2,382, Renault being at 1,835, and Honda being at 1,768. Um, so for Ferrari engines, that's around 930 per team, or 930 laps, with um, Mercedes being at... 794, but mainly because of Williams. Racing Point and Williams, yeah. Those are two big uh, skewing points. But yeah, that's some really interesting data, actually. Um, what's really sad is there aren't more engine manufacturers in Formula One, but that's a point to discuss another day. Preferably one per team, but we know we're never going to get that. We have hopes and dreams, and they will never be fulfilled. And on that lively note... <laughs> Maybe um, please, Ford or Chevrolet, get in. No, please. Uh, but on that note... Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's been fun looking at these past two weeks of testing, and now we can look forward to an exciting Formula One season, the Australian Grand Prix, right around the corner. But um, thank you for listening. Check us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Perfecting the Formula, and we should pop up. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, reach out to us at any of those social media platforms or email us at perfectingtheformula at gmail.com. Thank you to Anchor for distributing our podcast. Uh, thank you for to Chrome Commons for letting us record in the Commons. <laughs> and uh, this has been another episode of Perfecting the Formula. And my name is Mahesh. And this is Juan. And thank you for listening. <laughs>